with Aaron Cowell. I throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And a good Monday to you, Western Oklahoma, snowy Western Oklahoma at the moment. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports in studio today. Uh, understandably, the folks at the Sarah Golf Course said, we're not opening. <laughs> it's, it's, you uh, think there are still people that showed up and knocking on the door looking through the glass I don't. I, I don't think so. <laughs> when you look out there and you see the giant flakes of snow, I, I think that pretty well yeah. shuts off the idea of any type of golf activity. And because it's eight in the morning, nine in the morning, yeah, you know, there's just uh, it's totally understandable. So uh, we'll uh, we'll tell you about the Sarah Golf Course. We're not there today. We'll we'll make that up uh, to them here in a couple of weeks. But it is snowy. It is, you know, it's not as cold as I thought it was going to be. No, it's, which, it's not incredibly... Which here, yeah. usually in Oklahoma, that's when you know it's going to snow a ton. Yeah, it has to be cold. Like, really cold. <laughs> yeah, like, the, if it's really cold, it doesn't snow. When it's just kind of on the edge, that's when normally we get these gigantic amounts of snow. Mm-hmm. And big flakes coming down. My so wife anyhow. was convinced we weren't having school today. Oh, my. And she let it slip. So my kids this morning were a pill just getting them up. Cause like They thought, we're not going to school. I'm like, yes, you're going to school. And so they were kind of dragging a little bit. I thought, well, can't we just eat breakfast at Hoobie's house, the grandmother's house? It's like, no, you're going to school. <laughs> yeah, it's a normal Monday. It's <laughs> Get moving. And I didn't hear of any schools canceling today. I didn't hear anything. Did you? No. I didn't hear anything. No, no. I didn't. Timing was probably a big issue. And the fact that, I mean, I, here's the thing. Yeah, it's snowing, and yeah, it's supposed to snow quite a bit. And I've seen anywhere from three to five inches, maybe, and it'll be gone because it's so warm. It's been warm enough to where it's just not going to hang around. Yeah, yeah. If this was January or February, your your daughters might have gotten their wish. Problem is, it's November. Yeah, it was seventy. Like, is this a sign of how a week ago cold and dreary this? Winter is going to be. Cor- I, from what I've seen, I this is the th- earliest in a while that I can think of. I can remember snow. You know, it was crazy. Hmm. It was you know, it was it was cold here Friday. Obviously, yeah, yeah. But did you have any idea that it was snowing in Oklahoma City no until clue. you started looking at the? Vi- I started looking at videos from like the uh, the Midwest City game, and I was like, "Huh, look at that!" Yeah, that went viral. That run from Piedmont, it wasn't the run. It was the fact that they were running through snow. Yeah, I, I had no clue. No clue. And we went to the city on Saturday. And the closer we got to the city, you could start seeing still remnants of snow on rooftops and on the side of the road. Yeah. I didn't realize it was snowing that much. Yeah, I had no idea. No idea. I bet you Coach Maynard's like, dang, wish we were playing in Newcastle. We play in that snow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. I'm just kind of I'm I'm kind of going through here from the uh the text line on Friday. You know how it kind of stays up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't have enough time to read all those texts. There's a lot yeah, of there's them. There's a bunch of them. Derek Sizemore. Richard De La Rosa. Yeah. Uh, I told you, see, see, I saw Dalen in the stadium. Yeah. That's good. It's interesting to go back and see all the people. Well, I mean, we had a lot of listener, viewers and listeners. It was a cold one. It's going to be even colder this week. When, we need we need them out there, man. It's going to be even colder. We it's supposed to be like 33 for the high on Friday. So get, get your coats ready, your thermals. Your hand warmers. Hopefully it's not going to be windy. I haven't looked that far ahead. Okay, I've, I've already got the title of the show, Jared. Oh, you do? Yep. Good, because I, I struggle in that department. It's going to be the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
We'll, well start, I can't think of any good this week. We'll weekend. start out with high school football. Actually, I can think of one good. We'll, we'll start out with high school football. We'll go to college football, and we'll end it with the NFL. Okay. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. 225-9698. Give us a call. Shoot us a text. We can talk about anything that's on your mind. Just feel free to chime in. 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, there are a couple ways to stay in touch with the show. You can log on to kadsam.com. You can download the app. If you do download that app, you're talking about radio stations, the Penny News. you got Big Elk TV and Paragon TV. We'll have games, football games this week, basketball games this week as well. It's Hollis. We'll tell you about that. But uh, Hollis is moving on. Big Elk's moving on. So Friday night, two more high school football play on, uh, playoff games there uh, that you can watch through the app. Skinny on Sports uh, Podcast, iTunes, KADSAM.com is where you can find that. If you miss the show entirely, you can go back and check that out uh, right there and see what we had to say about a certain thing. All right, Jared, Friday night, man, it – it was interesting. Uh, had a lot of conversations on Saturday during some of the basketball uh, games that had up here at the, the Arrowhead and at the elementary and whatnot. And a common theme from everybody was, I never really felt like the Big Elks were going to lose, but I wasn't 100% sure that they were going to win as the game was moving on. And I kind of had that exact same feeling. I, I never really felt like Newcastle threatened to win that game especially after Patton scored with, what, 40 seconds left right. in the first half to make it a 14-7 halftime game. The Elks uh, led the entire second half by either two scores or one, but at the same time they were not able to put Newcastle away. Uh, you know, an untimely turnover when they had you know plays set up, and then defense would was fantastic for most of the night, but then just a couple of different times, and it always seemed like right after the Elks would score – They'd give up a drive, you know. So it was it was kind of a weird game. It was, uh, but it, it did feel like Elk City was in control most of the night, and I I just I never really felt like they they were truly threatened to lose that game, but they probably need to play better this week if they want to move into the semifinals. Yeah, so I'm always optimistic. Um, I'm with you. I never felt like they were going to lose the game. It kind of felt like the Clinton game. It felt like. Elk was always in control, but the opponent was just right there. And, and um, but when it mattered the most, all the way from you know uh, the the fake punt to the the patent sweep that put him up by two scores to the uh, onside recovery, when it mattered the most, they stepped up as they've done all year long. When it's close or when adversity strikes, they've always had an answer for it. So I'm kind of that's a good theme to have. It was. Never doubted, but it was, you know, it made you – kept us on the edge of our seat for most of the night. But uh, but and then the optimistic thing is, yeah, there, it wasn't the perfect game, but there are things to work on. They're going to have to play better. Obviously, each week you're going to have to because the opponent's going to get better and better because it is the playoffs. Hilldale's very worthy. A lot of people, some pre, pre-playoff pre uh, predictions have them as a dark horse. I've seen a couple of them pick Hilldale like that so they are a are a, a good opponent that that's coming into town so they're gonna have to play better Elk City is and I have no doubt the the mistakes that were made they'll be addressed they'll be fixed they always have been and um it might be a similar game to last Friday but you know we say that we felt like that a couple games this year and then all of a sudden Elk City's on the high side by a lot of points so I could see that too because he'll deal with the travel and, and all that. And and I think what we discovered Friday night, and we're about to talk about the other team in 4A1 that won, and, and then Weatherford that came close. Um, 4A1's a lot better than what people thought. Is that fair to say? I don't know. Don't think so? I don't know. Uh, he, when you look at what happened Friday night, I, I think that. I think that. Uh, District Two got the better of it than than District One. Okay. Uh, you look at the, their district champ blew out the fourth place team in in District One. District One champ had a way more difficult time with their fourth place team. And then you know the middles were were fairly similar. Uh, Bethany took Clinton to overtime, and Weatherford was right there with you know you know. So I I, I guess I. I 
Hey, it's just impossible to tell because of the situations in every game, right? Like you, you don't know what happens here and there. Um, I think a lot of that it just they're not as I, I don't I don't think District One. I, I think the, I think it's a totally different style of game than everybody than a lot of the other teams play. And so it's it, in, until you see those teams, play, until you see the matchups actually happen, I think it's impossible to really kind of tell. You know, right. um, it's just they, they play a different brand and it's that's good and bad in, in some ways. It's good because you know that the, the teams of 401 are going to be physical every single night out that they go play. At the same time, it doesn't does it not feel like outside of maybe Weatherford, Clinton and Elk City for sure need to be ahead. I don't know how much faith you got in a in a two touchdown comeback from the Elks or the Reds. Does that make sense? Just with the style of their play. Their their style of play is suited to be ahead. Or or you know, right there close. Mm-hmm. It's it's not this high flying comeback type, you know, it's just not. So the the fir- the, the the beginnings of these games are gonna be super important for Clinton and Elk City moving forward. At the same time though, there are also two teams that aren't gonna just kind of panic and abandon what got them there. And sometimes that ends up wearing down and, and working at the end. But it's uh, it, I think this week is going to be really interesting um, because I, if both teams can win, then I think the answer to your question is, yeah, they are better. If, uh, if nobody makes it to the semifinals, then I think everybody around the state was right. I wonder – now all t- top two teams in each district won, right? Poto, Hildale, Cushing – yeah – now this kind of like it might answer. You're right. It might answer my question this Friday. Because now we'll you know we'll see that uh, I guess you can call it cross bracketing with um, Hildell and Elk and Poto and Clinton and, and you know four A one I think was to I think was tougher than others that other people gave him credit for because a lot of people were picking a four A two sweep. And um, what if four A you know if Clinton and Elk can get a win yeah. And, and then, you know, might answer a question like maybe a glimpse of what we think about the other top teams in this class is, is it the result of a weaker district? I'm talking about like Poto or even Cushing, Wagner. I mean, what if title goes and just wallops Wagner? Does that tell us Cushing was in a, or is in a, I don't think anything tells weaker... you Cushing is weaker than you think until somebody beats him. Right. That's what I think about Cushing. Cushing is by far. Which Elk will do, according to you. Well, right? that's what we got caught up <laughs> saying. But here's the truth of it. Cushing has not, they have just ran roughshod over. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who they've played. And so, they, I mean, look, look at the results. 48 nothing against a team that until last, a week ago Saturday, Broken Bow was right there in the in the hunt to win that district, right? And then Ada upset him. Of course, Ada gets pounded by Wagner. I, I guess if you're looking for some kind of silver lining for the for the matchups this week, I mean, when you look at Hildale coming out of District Four, their weakest two teams that made the district didn't even score a point on Friday night, with Ada getting shut out and mm-hmm. Broken Bow getting shut out. Yeah, you know, obviously Poto hammered Miami. Uh, but you know that's that's something that you know if, if you're going to have a, a silver lining for the losses that uh, that District One suffered, uh, at least they scored some points, unlike some others. You know, in in, in District Three, McLean was shut out. Uh, Miami scored fourteen points. Ada was shut out. You know, so it, it just looks like there's there was definitely separation not only across the state but even within the districts if that makes sense mm-hmm. there was there was sometimes you see a third or fourth place team and maybe we did see that with Newcastle they just weren't able to win if that makes sense they they were a quality football team obviously Bethany quality in the way that they played the top two teams in district 1 but they weren't quality enough to win and whereas the other uh, the other districts, Weatherford put up a heck of a fight, but nobody else was even close. So there was there were a couple of teams that had chances to pull off upsets. Nobody did. So coming up on Friday night, 
the bracket looks like this. On the left side, uh, which is Elk City side, it'll be the Elks and Hilldale, 7 o'clock Friday night. Also Cushing and Blanchard. So you got number one out of District 1, number two out of District 4 uh, with Elk City and Hilldale. You got number one out of three, number two out of District 2 with Cushing and Blanchard. Across the other side, the District 2 winner is Tuttle. They'll play the uh, District 3 second-place team with Wagner. As Wagner hammered Ada 31-0. So Tuttle-Wagner on one side, on the top of that side of the bracket. And then Poto, the District uh, 4 champ, takes on uh, District uh, 1 second-place team in Clinton. So Clement, Clinton having to go all across, all the way across the state of Oklahoma. But last time they went there, they beat them, didn't they? Uh, yeah. Just a couple years ago, maybe a halfback pass was a big part of that. Or that was that, that may have been down at Blanchard. That was Blanchard. Yeah. Yeah, Clinton's used to those trips. They've they've gone to Hilldale and won in a playoff game. That, so it doesn't phase Clinton. Similar task for both teams. Dax Collins, running back for Poto, has been fantastic. He's one of the best running backs in the state of Oklahoma in 4A for sure. And then also the Elks will have to take on Eric Virgil. He's around the 2,000-yard mark for the year, 5,000 yards for his career. He scored almost 60 touchdowns. Uh, so – Tough, uh, tough opponents, at least from the run game standpoint, for both Elk City and Clinton at the at the running back spot. These two teams, Poto and Hilldale, have really good ones uh, coming up on Friday night. Uh, da da da. Hollis, man, they dominated over Cherokee, fifty to zip. So the Tigers will pull, go to Ceiling in the second round of the Class B playoffs. That'll be what about number two or three, depending on the poll, against number seven. Uh, there in the second round, so the Hollis goes to ceiling. Burns fight deal city season over. Man, it what a tough – I hate to use the pun, but break for them as they were rolling in the early part of the year. Then quarterback get, gets hurt, and it kind of – their chances really kind of disintegrated in front of our eyes, offensively especially, where they just couldn't figure out a way to move the ball without uh, Schneeberger back there. So that really kind of stinks for Burns Flat the way that that all happened. They lose to Walters 33 to nothing, and then uh, another local team, Moreland, uh, Mangum, was blown out by Moreland to the Tiger season. That shocked me, that outcome. Over. I'll tell you what. The, the way that – I mean, it doesn't shock me Moreland won, but the score shocked me. Yeah. I, Maybe you just wonder what's going on there. Well, I'll tell you what's going on there. If you want to talk about districts. Yeah. District 1 in Class A is a hell of a lot better than District 2. The A1 sauce, huh? I'll go ahead and tell you that. Yeah. I, I mean, think we knew that for a long time. Especially at the I mean, top. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, with Fairview, Moreland ended up being kind of a team like you thought. You know what I'm saying? Like the Moreland, not of old, but you know what I'm saying? Like they, they really picked it up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Burns Flat was the only eight, uh, District 1 team to lose, and we all know why they just not having Schneeberger was a huge drop-off there. Yeah. I think if you if if he's healthy – for the last first off, Burns Flat probably doesn't finish in third place, and they're hosting, which puts different matchups out there. I think there was a chance for an A one sweep, although Walters has been rolling. But uh, Boone Apache, district champ, throttled by Hooker, the fourth team out of District One, just throttled them, forty eight to sixteen. So yeah, I don't. I think there's no doubt there uh, which which one of those districts was superior. Uh, and, and it was proven there in the first round of the playoffs. Anything else that kind of caught your eye from from the first round? Uh, any class? Um, well, we kind of mentioned it, Piedmont, the way they ran literally all over Midwest City. There's really no other upsets uh, than that one, I don't think, that caught my eye. I'm, I'm efforting scores. Um, no, I think it all kind of – kind of shook out the way we thought i was um back to 4a you know the clearly the the top two teams in each district were there for a reason because they all won now i mean looking ahead though the, uh, the tuttle wagner game i who knows right i don't know how to pick that that looks like a very that could be a in in other years a state championship game yeah, there's that way in 5A. It's on every single quarterfinal kind of looks like that too. Yeah, that we can talk about it. here. Here was an interesting, very. Who did you pick in 2A to win it all? Did you pick Metro or Rejoice? Metro. Darn it! Did you see? Did you see Rejoice and Begs? No. So Rejoice was the um, 
District uh, Eight, since they got extra, di- they got extra district. They were the District Eight champs. They had beaten Beggs in the non-district schedule, seventy to sixteen. Those two rematched in the first round, and Beggs went to Rejoice Christian and beat them forty-eight twenty-eight. What an unbelievable wow. turnaround! Sometimes, I mean, again, there's probably stuff we just don't know. Was a player out? Were multiple players out? I don't, you know, now they're healthy. That's still, though. But still, that's 75 incredible point turnaround. turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's that, that's something that caught my eye. I was like, oh, my goodness. How about Frederick getting a win on the road at well, Davis? Well, that's a huge upset. Yeah. It's got to be. Yep. And now they get to host. Yeah, that's the beauty of being. They, they went from, well, Think of, think of that if you're a senior. Uh, senior night, it's our last game here because we're on the road at, at Davis, of all places, a tough place to go. And then, oh, we won. Oh, we get to be back, back on home. our home field. Yeah. They play Chandler, which, you know, here's the deal. When you beat when you beat a district champ, you're always – the next opponent's going to be a little bit of a step down as far as – what they finished in this during the season. Now mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean team wise they're going to be any worse. But you know, once you beat a district champ, that second round game is against somebody that wasn't a district champ. I almost lost a. Here's the on the way home when I was listening to the scores. I thought I lost a state one of my state championship picks. They just had it wrong. Oh, yeah. I I had heard that the Fighting Sean Hams at Ryan. Had shut out Winoka, but they had the score mixed. Up. Oh, I almost texted you. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And then, <laughs> and then you texted me. I thought, "Oh, he's making, he's listening too. He's making fun of my Winoka pick in Class C." And then <laughs> I, then I looked this morning, and I'm like, "Oh, never mind. It was forty-six nothing Winoka." Yeah, over the Fighting Hams. <laughs> so that was one. And then um, also in two A, because uh, there was another. A, a close fit for uh, one of my title winners. Has uh, Millwood only thirty four twenty nine over Crossings Christian, so that was mighty mighty tight. You know what I? For, you know what I? You know who I failed to notice in the bracket when I was picking two A? Who's that? And this is this is going to be sad when you hear the team. I failed to see Washington. Yeah, I probably would have had a hard time not picking Washington if I'd on, seen them. I was split on them. Um, it, that was a, because it's Washington. They're they're pretty dang good this year too. Yeah, ten and zero. But the, it's so the 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 private thing in two A. There's some really good one. That's why I kind of lean Metro. Actually, eleven and zero, which is not continuing to keep it anyway. So yeah, uh, I, I think for the most part, like you said, there were very 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 few upsets all across the state in all classes really. The, the better teams held serve. Some were challenged more than others. But for the most part, the the, the teams that were favored to win or, or finished higher in their district than the team they were playing, they won. And so it really kind of everybody hold, held serve. And now maybe this week is the one where you start seeing uh, some district champs picked off uh, in, in some of these different classes with, with tougher matchups for some than others. But, uh, you know, it's fun. And it's going to be cold again. So football, football weather. Again, coming Friday night. Of course, we'll yep. get, we'll break down what we see from Hildell a lot more as the uh, week goes on. Just kind of early study. I mentioned Eric Virgil, heck of a running back for them. Also, one of their offensive linemen. Um, I, I can't remember the name. I should have written it down. Uh, he was he was one of the Vibe top one hundred guys listed at six three two seventy. So you're going to be able to notice him pretty pretty well right off. Um, and talking to some people sounds like. The one thing about this is that the the style of offense fair is fairly similar, maybe to what Clinton tr- does in some ways. So at least okay. that that can help uh, the Elks with preparation and kind of being a little bit familiar with uh, the style, at least uh, of what we're going to see from Newcastle. But it or from not not, not a Newcastle from Hildale, but it, it it sounds like one of those just who's who wins the line of scrimmage type games. Both teams are going to want to kind of do the same thing. Both teams are going to want to run it and maybe hit a hit a big play in the pass game off of the run here and there. Um, but line of scrimmage is going to be ultra important as as it is in every game. But you know even more so in this one because 
somebody is gonna is gonna try to take away what the other one wants to do. Yeah. And, and if somebody and if one of them can, then that puts the onus on on different things. And we'll see if, uh, see if it can happen. But I think a a good matchup style wise for the Elks in round two. Now that that was the good. <laughs> the bad is next. In studio today because of the white stuff falling from the sky, uh, not over at the uh, golf course at Sayre. They are not open for obvious reasons. We'll be back over there next week and then uh, make it up to them the week after. Also, uh, no Jim Traber today. Uh, that's not oh, I didn't list. even think about Yeah, he texted he text me this morning and said he was not able to, to be on today. So uh, Jim is out uh, as well. So you just get us today. So we had, we had the good, now the bad. And the bad was in Morgantown, West Virginia. As the Oklahoma Sooners, in a rainstorm there toward the end, go up and they, they're they beaten by the worst team in the Big 12 outside of themselves, 23-20. to 20. Uh, the, the fallout from this one, there's more vitriol, it feels like, from the OU fans than any other loss this season, partly because of the way it looked, I think partly because the opponent was so bad going in in the way that that game transpired. And so there there's there's two factions it feels like in the Oklahoma fan base slash former Oklahoma players. And it is there's a faction that blames the coaches and there's a faction that is blaming the players. Where do you fall That's on a, that teeter totter? Yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. It's like chicken egg thing. You know, I, I, I've seen what you're talking about, uh, former players saying if you think this is on the coaches, that you know, that's ridiculous. And you know, I've seen more than one tweet from that from a couple players. And, you know, then the fans, I think the fans lean more to the coaches because, you know, a good coach can take any any player and, and, and put them in, you know, coach them up. So I, I don't know. I, I was prepared to ask you that question and try to get the answer from you because I, I really don't have an answer. I don't know. I I mean uh, there's there's that common uh you know you go way back to 99, right? And you got Stoops first year and everyone says that well he came in and uh which isn't entirely true cuz he he went to the JUCO route which was a thing kids before the portal and he got some guys coming to campus and he he made them work and they won with him namely uh Josh Heupel. Um, but everyone will say, well, he took a uh, John Blake players and made him winners. So some people are wondering, well, how come Venables can't take these guys, albeit Lincoln Riley leftovers and make them winners. So that's where the, co- it's the coaching it's fault argument. So I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of split on it. I've been thinking about that and I was like, well, I'll just ask Aaron that question and get the answer out of him. But you, you, you jumped the gun on me. What do you think? Uh, I, I think it's everybody. Um, I, I kind of wanted to say the cop-out answer did is Jeff the same. Lebby, did Jeff yeah. Lebby call a play on the goal line and tell Braden Willis to step across the line of scrimmage? No. It's a perfect call. It's a touchdown. And yet the discipline, the lack of discipline to stay behind the line of scrimmage, lack of attention to detail, takes away a touchdown. Did Brent Venables or Jeff Lebby – Tell Marvin Mims to drop a wide open touchdown? I don't think so. Did they tell Dylan Gabriel to overthrow a wide open Marvin Mims? I don't think so. Are are they instructing the guys that have their nose at the football on defense to jump off sides and negate good plays? I don't think so. But at the same time, I think there's people that that would. that would equate those mistakes probably outside of the MIMS drop, but some of those line, those procedural mistakes as, well, where's the coaching? Here's what I think has been massively there, – there were two things that were massively overrated going into this season. And, and I think a big part of why everybody's up in arms is false expectation. Number one – who was left over and the lack of impact on who left in the portal was massively overrated as far as who was left over. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that. Completely overrated. 
Another thing that was completely overrated, and these two things go hand in hand in my mind, was the guys that were left over on defense. Brent Venables could whip him into shape because of his uh, accolades throughout his career as a defense coordinator. That was wildly overrated. His impact year one on these guys. But I'll, I think I think from a coaching standpoint, listen, there were calls at kicking that field goal, forty six yard field goal, and it rainstorm instead of going for fourth and two when Eric Gray has over two hundred yards. I'll listen to that absolutely. Go for it. Yeah. And and this is the second straight game now we've seen Venables make what would be considered the conservative play on a fourth down that came back in the, the the ensuing possession for the other team when his choice didn't work was the game. Right. And, and those those aren't necessarily uh, – people people in the moment were going, this is wrong. This isn't just like Monday morning quarterback. In the moment, you're going, what are you doing? You haven't stopped Baylor all day long. It's fourth and four on their 46. It doesn't matter where you pin them. They're going to score. It doesn't matter. They're going to score. And, you know, the punt happens. And then, of course, that, that field goal. And I don't care how good Zach Schmidt has been. Uh, that's just a that's a hard ask to have a guy do that. There's no way that text is right. I don't think it is. All effort. All effort that. Dating back to 1999? There's no way that's right. Of what? Anyway, we'll we'll look that up. I mean, you're telling me 2001 and 2003 weren't top 20 defenses, according to what stat? Anyway, um, move on. It's Tyler. I know who it is. I don't know. Oh, I know it is. What, I, he was, I, what do you mean when he was defensive? Oh, after Stoops, I guess is what he's saying. After Mike Stoops, left to go to Arizona. Oh, yes, he was the there sole, was sole the, defensive the, the yeah, guys that's what he's Okay, okay, okay. It's also when the conference changed, right? To the hurry up and and all that. So, one thing that I think was underrated, and I think you're seeing it right now. What was underrated was what happened. One person masks masked a lot of these exact issues a year ago. And that person wasn't Lincoln Riley. That person was Caleb Williams. Think about what he did to keep last year's team from being seven and five, eight and four. For sure, four losses with the Texas win and that ridiculous play he made at Kansas. And the and the thing that you're and the thing that you're seeing and the thing that people are pointing to on the coaching side is undisciplined, lack of it. Well, guess what? It's been that way with these guys on the field. And here's the truth of it: you don't. When when you don't have a good type of uh, when you don't have like one side of the ball isn't that good, like for instance Oklahoma's defense for the last however many years, you know what's not a great thing. Continuing to bring guys back. Oh, we got the suitors have nine starters back on defense. A lot of times that's not a good thing. Yeah, the same defense. That it's the same the guys before, that were. It's so the same guys that weren't any back. good. Yeah, and so. I, th- I think one thing that's underrated about not, not only Riley leaving and taking Caleb Williams, obviously, because, I mean, you know, just like Tyler, look what he's doing at USC. It's the exact same thing he did here. Without Caleb Williams, USC has two or three more losses because he just pulls it out of the fire because he's a generational-type talent. But these lack of di- the lack of discipline was covered up on on the wins and losses by – Incredible plays by Caleb Williams. An incredible play last year. And it's been that same way since Lincoln Riley took over because of just the quarterback. I mean, how how many times have we griped about, you know, personal fouls or lack of attention to detail? The entire Lincoln Riley era. Right. 
And so I think to expect that Britt Venables was going to be able to completely change that culture in however many months, that the, the idea of that was so overrated in the fans' minds. And so now you're seeing the vitriol because their outlandish expectations aren't being met. Now, I will say this. And it's like, and, and listen, you can start comparing this to Nebraska if you want to, and that's fine. But the truth is, how mad is in these last two games? You, you could sit here and say, oh, it's a play away. You know, one or two plays changes. And if we're sitting here right now, and Oklahoma is seven and three with two games, two winnable games left, the narrative is completely different just because of the outcome of a couple of plays especially on Saturday. Oklahoma never should have lost that game on Saturday. That was just – they just gave the thing away. It's with – with the Willis penalty, with the drop from Mims, I mean, it's 21-0 with a minute left in the first half, minimum, with just, just normal plays. But Oklahoma also isn't good enough to be able to overcome blowing about three of their toes off. Self-inflicted. Right. Eventually, they're, they're not good enough to stay balanced. They just fall over. And that's what happened Saturday. Inexcusable loss. It's, it, it's a loss that Oklahoma never should have suffered. Even even they didn't play, they didn't play their best, but they played way better than West Virginia. And they just, you know, and then, of course, the, the backup quarterback thing and, and just they, they've made stars out of backup quarterbacks uh, so far this year. One, one positive to Bedlam is this won't be the – Garrett Rangel or Gunner Gundy party. <laughs> Since it looks like <laughs> Sanders will play, that's probably a negative for OU as well. But that was that one is it's just an inexcusable loss, and everybody has blame in it. And if you choose to blame some players, fine. If you choose to blame some coaches, that's fine too. Um, but but the truth of the matter is that's something that uh, going forward, and, and I think a big part of the the fans and, and blaming the coaches is. I don't know – well, I do know. I don't think there's any way that you could say this Oklahoma team has gotten better in very many facets of the game so far this year. No, no. If anything, they've gotten worse. If you put the Jim Traber patented truth serum in Venables, you know, he says all the right things in post-game pressers. Do you think he'd want to say, listen, guys, I'm, I'm working with what I got. I'm working with what I got when I got here. I think he said that in certain ways, talking about the the inexperience of the defense, which is true. I mean, that's it, it sounds like excuses, and it, and it is in a certain way, but it's also the truth. When you look out there, we know the names, but we, it's because from recruiting, oh, this guy was supposed to be, and and that's where the 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 unrealistic the unrealistic expectations, or the, from either recruiting rankings or what somebody's telling people in practice that gets out into the media, then gets into the fans, and they start to believe in the hype. Here's uh, Jim's right about this. The the hype train that builds for Oklahoma fans comes from what they hear out of practice. Yeah. You know, and, and but it, it's it's not just media, Sam. It's recruiting. OU fans follow recruiting as, as closely as, a, as about any fan base. And they they see the stars. They're enamored with the stars. Think about this. When Brendan Radley Hiles committed Oklahoma, he was the first five-star defensive back in how long? Fans were up in arms happy about that. But they're also smart enough to figure out after watching him play about three or four games to go, huh? Yeah. How in the world did everybody want this guy? So it all goes in hand in hand with expectations. And the truth is Oklahoma's Oklahoma fans, media, whatever you want to blame it on. Fans are are as guilty as this as but they're they're a little bit like Dallas Cowboy fans and and probably because they're the same people in a lot of in a lot of instances. They overrate their guys. They overrate how good their guys are in their minds. And so then when they don't perform to that level in their mind, that's when they turn on them. And somebody's always a whipping boy. Always. Good news is, for most years in the last decade, Oklahoma's level of play at quarterback has been so good 
that they've been able to overcome a lot of these deficiencies we're seeing. That's not the case this year. And so the, these, these problems were always right there front and center to see. Some people chose to see them. Other people chose to go, well, you know what? What does it matter? We won that game anyway. Get it fixed later. Get it fixed later. Kick the can down the, down the road constantly. And at some point, those, the, those things come to roost. How, how long, I guess how long the, is the leash on Venables when it comes to giving him enough time to get his guys there via recruiting and, and portal and everything? Less than it used to be because they, the, the college football landscape is completely different. There is no three- to five-year plan. Your plan has to be every single year because of the portal. Right. You know, it's, it's a There's year. There's no excuse not to have well, immediate but, but success. But it's a year-by-year year thing because you have, to recruit, you, have, you have to recruit the portal for new guys. You have, to keep the, you have to recruit your own guys constantly to keep them out of the portal. And then, oh, by the way, figure out who's good in high school. Or, you know, and that's always been an inexact science that I think is going to become even more inexact because the attention that used to be paid and the, and, the, and the time and the effort that was put in to recruiting the high school ranks is lessening because of the portal. There, there are just so many more balls in the air. It's, it's, it's just the time. There isn't as much time to do all of it. And so I think you're – the, the misses in, in high school recruiting have always been evident no matter where you're at. And I think that's about to even go further. So, you know, as far as the high school stuff. And so, that, you know, that portal, and, and we talked about it last week, Mike Gundy doesn't seem to be much of a fan of it. Venables doesn't seem to be much of a fan of it. But the truth is it's not going anywhere. So you better damn well use it, or it's going to be used against you. And there, you can make the case that certain guys you wouldn't mind seeing, if you're an OU fan, maybe hit the portal. But but you've got to replace them. Yeah, you've got to replace them. And so, I don't know what the leash is. I can tell you this, though. If it looks like this at the end of next year again. The leash is going to be le- – it's going to start lessening. It's such a weird question because Castiglione has never been in this situation with a football coach at OU. See what I'm saying? Oh, no. He's never had to think, well, i got to start thinking about replacing this guy. He's never had – he's never been in this position. So that's where I – you know, we don't know how long that leash is when it comes to his patience. And, and But, listen, I'm with you. Because usually, you know, and you've said it, Year two is the year, right? Look That's at, right. Look at year two. That's when you can start seeing what the program's going to look like. So I'm not saying OU's going to be Tennessee good in year two under Venables, but it's, it damn well better be better than what it is now or that leash is going to be pretty dang short. Well, it, the, the good news for Oklahoma, you know the best, the best news of this entire season for OU? They wore dark uniforms? I don't know what. Their 2023 schedule doesn't have Georgia coming to Norman anymore. <laughs> That's true. And that, but I say that not as to poke fun. I say that because if he can get things figured out and get some of his guys in here and all that, in all that garbage, yep. The opportunity to bounce right back is there for OU because of the schedule. I'm anxious to see what that Big 12 schedule looks like because don't the new members start to play? Mm-hmm. But you're talking about instead of having Georgia. Right, right. I know what you're saying. You've got Arkansas State, SMU, and Tulsa ahead of the Big 12 schedule. Right. 
So that's that's positive. All right, let's go to let's go to OSU. He's not going to win it because of missing some games and some ineffectiveness when he was hurt. So Spencer Sanders more than likely isn't going to be the offensive player of the year in the Big 12. He's not going to be the all Big 12 quarterback, but you know what he is if they had such an award? Most valuable. The most valuable player in the conference, and it's not even close. If you watch that game on Saturday, it was clear that they were trying to steal. They being Oklahoma State was they were trying to steal a win ahead of Bedlam and let him have one more week off. Right. And then it became clear that they that that was in peril because Gunnar Gundy couldn't move the offense against that vaunted Iowa State defense, which it is. That Iowa State, you want to talk about feeling sorry for a group of people in the Big 12? The Iowa State defense is who you need to feel sorry for. <laughs> yeah. Because that, that group is good. It, is it the <laughs> best? Is it the best position? Is it the best group in the Big 12? It's definitely the best defense. Is there an offense that's better than they are on defense? I don't know. Um, have they played TCU yet? Although TCU's yeah, they, offense wasn't uh, as... Yes. Yeah, they played them. What was it, 38-31? They haven't played yet. Oh, they haven't. Oh, no, no, it's the last game. That's right. Mm-hmm. I was thinking West Virginia. Yeah, because TC goes to Baylor and then Iowa State goes down there. Right. Anyway. That, but I, I see what you're saying, yeah. That, that, their defense is awesome. And Mike Gundy. Anybody in the country would want that defense. They're good. Y- y- right? I mean, They're very good. I mean, well, maybe not Clemson or Georgia. Well, I'm, but a team with somewhat of an offense, any kind of TCU a would of an take offense. That, TCU would take that defense over oh, theirs yeah, right that'd now, be a even though they team. were good. That'd be a complete team. They were good on oh. Saturday. But, yeah, they were. But Spencer Sanders comes in and wins the game. And then it wasn't it amazing. It was amazing to me, at least watching that game, how much of a lift it gave the OSU defense to have him back in there. Because then all of a sudden you started seeing massive amounts of pressure, like we thought was going to happen all year. Hunter Deckers couldn't take three steps before he had to step up, step right, step left, or just get thrown down. So Oklahoma State with the it keeps them in. I honestly we had the question: How does uh, Oklahoma State get to the Big Twelve title game? They have to win out, and I think Kansas State has to lose out. I think so. Think that's it. And then, you know, one of Texas or Baylor could end up with three. Lo- I guess it could be a three way tie. I don't know what the. Uh, I honestly I don't know. We'd have to look that up, but. Yeah, it's a mess right there. Jumbled mess at two. But then you go to head-to-heads and all that stuff. Yeah. There's a scenario there. I just don't know it either. Someone smarter than me probably wrote that down somewhere. There's an article. Google it up. Yeah, I'd seen I'd seen one that could have like a five-way tie at five and four going into last week that I think Kansas State won. So probably Kansas State. But. Huge appreciation for Spencer Sanders after that win. Just uh, just one of those games that uh, – it was ugly. Let's just be honest. It was an ugly game to watch. Um, Hunter Deckers, man. Ouch. Guy's terrible. I thought he was going to be pretty decent. I thought he was – was he a four-star guy yeah, that goes, big, goes back recruit, to recruiting yeah. and, and or, you know, you look at those services and think, did they miss? Is he just not coming into his own yet? There's still time for him to get good, right? You know, but Purdy, as soon as he got the starting job, he looked pretty dang good from the get go. Yeah, it was rough until it matters. Heck, Deckers came in last year when Purdy was knocked out of the OU game Mm -hmm. for a while and and looked pretty good. Okay, makes you makes you wonder. I I don't know if sometimes it takes a player to develop into a nice player, and sometimes you'll have those immediate impact dudes that come in. You know, it kind of gives you pause about, um. I'm horrible with names. OU's guy they got coming in next year. Oh, who knows? I mean, do you think – you see what I'm saying? Just like, well, anyways. 
Who knows? Well, that's we'll see. I think it's too early to call him a bust. Same thing about Quinn Ewers. Huh? People are already saying he's a bust. Hmm. What do you What do you think? I think he's played. We got to remind ourselves he's still a freshman. I think he's. I think he's played about three good halves. That have got people thinking he's and two of those were in Dallas. Yeah, and and <laughs> and a quarter and a half against Alabama, which are we sure that's all that big of a accomplishment now? Yeah, with the way that Bama's secondary isn't as isn't as good as maybe people thought at that time. I mean, dude, he was awful. He was awful in Stillwater in the second half. He was awful the other night against TCU. Um, and and you can't blame the lack of weapons for his and, and right. And, I mean, and of course, when he starts throwing it wild, then he does put a couple on the money and you know a, a drop here and there, and it, and it slows everything completely down. But okay, I, he's just afraid. So is you, you know what you know what number one picks in the draft do a lot of times or, or sometimes you know when they're freshmen, you know what they do. Yeah. Well, if you're Trevor Lawrence, you win the you win the national title, right? He was just a freshman; didn't need to make excuses for him. That's a good point. We got a lot to talk about college football wise. That's a good point. A lot to talk about around the country. Makes you wonder if Ohio State said, "You know what? You might be better off going home." We've if, seen uh, you practice. Oh, I think he saw C.J. Stroud and went. What? I'm not near that good. See you back. Yep. Hudson Card, I think I can beat you out. <laughs> Time for the ugly, Jared. We had the good, we had the bad, and now the ugly. The ugly was the Dallas Cowboys in the fourth quarter yesterday. Just a brutal loss for the Cowboys. It's a loss that pretty well eliminates them from any type of division championship possibilities with three losses with the Eagles still undefeated you could see you know Dallas still still having the Eagles at home win that game have Philly trip up another time you know then it's you both got two I mean no one thought everybody's gonna run the table the rest of the way but when you're three games down with what seven to go or eight to go seven to go yeah that's a that's a hill that's just not going to be climbed how about this entering the game yesterday it's courtesy of our, our friends at ESPN Sports and Info. The Dallas Cowboys, entering yesterday, were 180 and 0 all time when leading by 14 points through three quarters. And if you include the playoffs, they were 195 and 0. What we saw yesterday had never happened. And to lose that game to a, a struggling Green Bay offense that all of a sudden made Christian Watson look like some sort of all-pro receiver when he has just been terrible all year. Aaron Rodgers looked a little bit like Aaron Rodgers for the first time all year. Where was where was uh, Michael Parsons? Where was he? Oh, playing linebacker instead of rushing the passer that's been so effective all year long for that Dallas Cowboy defense. It's almost like the bye week hurt the Cowboys in that it gave time for Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn and the rest of the coaching staff to outsmart themselves and start trying to think of these newfangled ways to use Parsons instead of, you know, the way they've been using him to have him as the leader for the defensive player of the year so far in the NFL. Just a brutal loss for the Cowboys, one that's going to – it doesn't eliminate. They're still going to make the playoffs. They're in great spot for that. But home game, division title, it's done. And I'll say this. The one flaw was exposed, and that is run defense. Yeah. The run defense hasn't been good all year. It was completely exposed yesterday. And if you're a Cowboys fan, as we are, you're going to start paying a lot of attention to where things are stacking up division title-wise and wild card-wise because I promise you the Dallas Cowboys want zero part of one team for sure ahead of that's going to be a division champion. 
Uh, that'd be the 49ers. The San Francisco 49ers. Right. They want no part of that. That cannot that, that cannot be a matchup that they want to see, especially having to go out to San Francisco. They couldn't beat them at home last year. Right. And so if you're a Cowboys fan, that, that loss, was just, it was just brutal. And it, this year it felt like, okay, winning games, winning the close ones, winning the big marquee games, you know, had been happening. But then after yesterday, it's just kind of that feeling of, well, same old Cowboys. Uh, this is where I think um, the where the Cowboys, where we thought they'd be. And that's they suck. This is the turning point for them. They're going to lose a lot more than this, and they're going to be a one and done in the playoffs. I'm up in arms after that fourth quarter in overtime. Well. I tried to blame the refs in my head on that third down on in overtime where it looked like CeeDee Lamb was wearing a – Packers jacket trying to catch the ball but then you know the call on going forward on fourth down that's the, I thought well couldn't stop him in the fourth quarter that's the so, right call so I guess you go for it you couldn't stop him in the fourth quarter that's the right call that yeah. it's absolutely the right call and I'll defend it against anybody because <coughs> because of the fourth quarter Aaron Rodgers was smoking hot okay and I don't and I don't I'm not listening to anybody say, well, they stopped them on the last drive. Green Bay stopped Green Bay on that last drive of overtime of uh, regulation because they were they were so concerned with with giving the Cowboys another chance right. that they let the clock, which is the right play. And then when they got it to third and one, they threw it instead of just getting the first down and then getting yourself to be able to kick a field goal. And oh, by the way, if there is a guy that has tormented the Cowboys, in situations like that, it's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So I, I think McCarthy did what he had to do. He knew in his mind they weren't st- – and by the way, they didn't stop him. Green Bay was going to score a touchdown that uh, in overtime if they wanted to. They just decided to kick the field goal instead. So that the fourth down call was absolutely the right choice by Mike McCarthy. And by the way, I thought one of his better games, he was ultra-aggressive on fourth down ultra aggressive mm-hmm. and it paid off and the Cowboys were, were able to keep drives alive and, and, and scoring drives because of, of McCarthy's aggressiveness on fourth down you just listen Dak Prescott's a good quarterback but elite level top of the line quarterbacks make a play to get a first down on fourth down there and he didn't so uh, it was a brutal loss for the Cowboys one that's just uh, wild card at best, and then you see where the chips fall as far as what the matchups are. There's still there are plenty of matchups that'll work out for the Cowboys. Whoever wins the West, if it's not if it's not the Niners, I mean, you don't you think they'd be afraid of Geno Smith? No, but they'll blow it. <laughs> They're not going to be afraid of him. Uh, whoever you know, Minnesota. Let's talk about that. What? Oh yeah, that's your next game, game, Cowboys at Minnesota. I mean. The that luck, game, by the way, yesterday. The luck truck wow. doesn't run out. And you know what? Maybe somebody asked me, do you believe in the in the Vikings? I'm like, no. But maybe this year, all the bad luck they've had in their organization's history, they've been snake bit tons of times. I mean, just tons. Maybe all of that bad luck is turning around with great luck in one year. I mean, the games that they've won the last, what, five or six, all by one score, all trailing, that one yesterday was just stupid. <laughs> and by the way, there's a lot of good there. I mean, the catch from Jefferson, and people are calling it the greatest catch of all time. Uh, I think David Tyree would want a word just making the helmet catch. But, I mean, it was an incredible catch. But guess what? It didn't – that's not why they won. They got stopped on that drive. Here's the thing, Jared. Your MVP blew it. Yeah. Absolutely blew it. He throws a pick in the fourth quarter, up 10 in the end zone. He throws a pick in overtime to seal the game in the end zone. Those weren't even his worst two plays. Right. He dropped the snap in the end zone. (laughs) And then, of course, they come back and kick a field goal, which they shouldn't have been able to. Where is the the review, people? 
oh, the NFL will just drive you nuts. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that catch on the sideline clearly hit the ground. Yeah, why aren't they stopping the play? Why are they yeah. st- They'll yeah. stop it for all these stupid things. Right. And then a play that actually – They'll confirm every touchdown, even one with a guy walking, walking in. Walking in. Oh, we got to oh, confirm this. It goes back like to the guy setting up for the extra point, and you see the, the official with his hand out yeah. going, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Okay. Okay. It's confirmed. And then they don't review that catch on the sidelines by Gabe Davis. It's just some of it just drives you nuts. But it was a heck of a game. I mean, do are we are we really sitting here? Do do you think the Bills are better than the Vikings still? Yes. Of course. Yes. <laughs> of course they are. But the Vikings keep on winning games. You know what this reminds me of in a weird way? It's it's not quite the the same level of ridiculousness, but it's starting to get close. This Vikings team, it's reminding me a little bit of the Tebow Broncos in that playoff run that they had and ended up beating the Steelers and then finally getting smoked. Just the improbability of all these wins. It's like right. with, a, with a quarter, I mean, Kirk Cousins isn't on Tebow's level. Don't get me wrong. He's better than that. But... You know what's what's he gonna do if the game starts at three twenty, with daylight savings time, and it's gonna end up being night in the second half? We're gonna are we gonna see night Kirk Cousins in the second half of some of these? Yeah, games? I don't know. That's good. I don't know. And the beauty I think for the Vikings is nobody's gonna want to watch their games in the playoffs, so they'll probably get the early games. Yep. They won't have to see night Kirk Cousins maybe until a Super Bowl. Right. Everything seems to be trending purple. Big 12, Vikings. Anything else? That was a – I mean, it was just like – and then it goes to overtime and they switch it, and I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. I don't care by, to see the first – NFL rule yeah. that you need to switch it. I, yeah. I'm like, oh, no. Because I was kind of thinking – I didn't – I forgot about that rule that whatever, some broadcasting rule. I remember, oh, they're going to overtime. Darn. Darn, we're going to miss the gonna first part of the Dallas game. or And then they switch. Oh, we are going to see the Dallas game. Yeah, but then I wish they'd, they'd kept it on the overtime. Crazy finish, y'all. I think all you had to do was tune into the last, what, 30 seconds of the regulation. Yeah, I mean, I was watching the because the Chiefs and Jags wasn't any fun, really. I don't know. So I watched a bunch of the, the second half of that game, or fourth quarter for sure. Yeah, it was just like, okay, that's cute. The the, the Vikings score a touchdown. We're going to lose by 10. And then Josh Allen threw the interception. It was like, hmm. <laughs> And then the Vikings missed the dadgum. <laughs> and then they missed the extra point, which led to a whole different series of things. Because if he just makes the field – if he just makes the extra point – the Vikings, the Vikings tie it in a totally different way, right? Because they're not going for it on fourth down at the goal line. They're kicking a game tying field goal, so then maybe the Bills actually end up winning. I'm glad that didn't happen though, because we didn't get to see just the. I mean, the difference. Those poor Bills fans, the Bills mafia, setting in the stands and the euphoria <laughs> of a fourth down stop, and then on the very next play. Dropping the ball in the end zone and thinking, oh my gosh, we lost. Yeah. <laughs> and then driving it. And, and then driving tying it. Tying it. And, tying. Yeah. yeah. What a w- roller coaster of emotion. It was It was pretty For awesome. For both fans, if you think about it. It's crazy. I that's, wonder. That's what football's about. That's why that game's so fun, man. Like lifelong Vikings fans, I wonder how they're handling this. Because they, I promise you, they're not. They are not used to these things working out in their favor. Yeah, these things always go the other way, always have. Yeah, and this year, all of a sudden, every single break is going skull. Well, when it doesn't go their way, they they know how to deal with it. <laughs> See that, and that's what's almost even more like. It's almost like a train wreck, Jared. You can't take your eyes off. Because at some point, this is going to turn around. And they're going to lose the uh, some playoff game in the most soul-crushing way possible. And Paul Allen, we're just going to play him for the, ho- the the radio guy from Minnesota. 
<laughs> We're just going to play him for the whole for the whole show <laughs> when it happens. But man, that was that was a heck of a game. That was fun. Heck of a finish anyway. Yep. Josh Allen. Mm. It's going to be hard for him to be the MVP leading the league in interceptions. Yeah. yeah he does a lot of good things, but the big the mistakes are are glaring. Yeah. Yesterday he uh yeah, he pretty well lost that game. Yeah. Everybody have a great Monday. Stay safe out there in the snow. We'll be back tomorrow. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered around.